Hi, my name's Tim Elliott, and I'm a recovering alcoholic and addict. I actually became a daily drinker uh, in high school. I was 18 and was emancipated, and it just went downhill from there. So daily drinking led to isolation, continued bad decisions, uh, you know, and kind of counters with the law. And um, just the, the isolation that I felt and the guilt and shame over um, really the harm that I was doing to myself, but more to the people around me, the people that cared for me was so overwhelming. What I experienced in my first uh, recovery meeting, AA meeting was um, complete acceptance by a group of total strangers that didn't know me. Their grace shown to me actually created now this willingness, this desire to be open to this new path. It was really based on the acceptance that they showed me, that they demonstrated me. So I experienced the power of the 12 steps actually before I actually did them. What changed was how I made decisions. Um, I didn't realize there was another way to make decisions. And you know, my old way was Tim's thinking, Tim's will, what I wanted. The steps actually guided me now to applying, I believe, God's will to my life. I have been uh, following the steps and applying them for 39 years, only by the grace of God and His intervention into my life. Hi, my name is Jared, and I'm an addict. You guys are, finally, you guys got it. All right. And here's the deal we've said all along. Look, yeah, I've never been an addict to substances, but all of us are addicted to self and sin. So we're doing this because these 12 steps are biblical principles. They apply to all of us. But I do want to speak for a minute that maybe you are an alcoholic. Maybe you are addicted to drugs, to alcohol, whatever it is. I hope, in some ways, this kind of pushes you to start your road to recovery. I welcome you to our Thursday AA meeting here. I want you to begin that path of recovery. But can I speak one moment before we dive in to the recovering addicts in our midst? One, I just want to say, I want you to know that you are accepted here. If you're an addict hearing my voice right now, you are welcome here, you are loved here, and not out of pity so we can help you, you help us. What we're learning in this series is you teach us grace, and we're better for it. So I want you to know you're loved in this place. Can we just encourage the addicts in our midst? I am super excited to conclude, we'll stick with conclude, this series together. All right, so we are going through the 12 steps. Just to catch us up a little bit, kind of here's where we've kind of been. We're doing this in four big leaps. Give up. You've got to surrender and get right with God. Realize you can't manage your own life. And step three, you need to surrender to him. And then we need to grow up, get right with ourselves. That was step four through seven. Then kind of that third leap of makeup. We talk about making amends with all those damaged relationships. And I want to say a couple of things as we're going into the final week of help out. We're going through this fast. 
I get it. Most people don't run through the 12 steps like this. So I just want to say that, like, if you didn't, you know, do your kind of moral inventory, if you didn't actually make amends, it's not like, sweet, I procrastinate for a week and run to another step. Now I don't have to do that. You still have to do it, all right? So for all of you that kind of delayed your moral inventory and didn't have the courage to write down your resentments, please still do that. Just because we've moved on, don't think, whoo, dodge that bullet. I thought I was actually going to have to make amends. I would encourage you to do that, all right? Something from the big book that I love. Man, our goal is spiritual progress, not spiritual perfection, okay? And so even as we get into these kind of final leap, go on the maintenance steps, I mean, there's not like this particular, hey, you got to do this this week. What you realize, what it's been all along, is it's not just like check the box and move on. This is the lifestyle. It's not like in step seven, like you surrendered, you know, your flaws, and you're like, sweet, I've been flawless ever since. No more resentments. I'm going to make a shirt, you know, like flawless in step seven, 2020. Like it doesn't work like that. It's progress. I knew a guy, Don Kent, he was the bullhorn guy that used to scream at people and he used to swear that he was sinless. Like that's crazy. Nobody is perfectly sinless. Ironically enough, he punched a kid that year, so restart the streak. You just punched a kid as a preacher, not sinless anymore, all right? So understand, we don't just check the box and move on. So these are things, particularly in these final steps, these maintenance steps, that you got to realize you need to do this to kind of maintain. You can't keep it unless you give it away. So that's where we're going as we're in step 11. Look at it with me if you will. Step 11, sought through Prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him. Praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And that's kind of the maintenance step, right? You've surrendered your life to God, but now, as we just talked about the announcement, you need to grow in that relationship. It's not like some of you guys that got married, right? Like, I told you I loved you when we got married. I'll tell you if something changes. Like, it's not like, okay, one time you say the vows and you're good. You need to grow in that relationship. Same with God. You surrender your life to him. It's not just like, you're great, you're a new creation, like, soak it up. I'm a new creation in Christ. Take it in. No, that's what starts it, but you need to grow. True story, buddy of mine, just had a kid, and he is just wigging out because that's what new parents do we wig out like everything can kill our baby like and he is just so nervous bringing home his newborn so chris brings home his newborn and the baby just won't stop crying and he panics because new parents panic calls 911 doesn't know what to do, calls 911 on the phone with 911, like, and they're talking through, okay, what's going on? Is the baby choking? No. Is this, a th- no, no. Well, what's happening? Well, the baby's crying. True story. 911 operator goes, baby's cry, sir. Click. Hung up on him. If you get hung up on by 911, you know what, your life is in trouble, which I used to, again, another true story, I used to judge that more than I do, but last, like, a couple days ago, I had to call 911. It is harder than you think. Lady, like, passed out when I was at the park, and I panicked. And I'm on the phone, and, like, my heart starts racing. She's like, sir, what's your name? I'm like, this is the easy one. It's like a J word. I know it's a J one. And I was, like, panicking. And she's like, how old is the lady? I'm like, I don't know. She's like 25, 75. Why does it matter? Just get here. And I was like, 
legit, like true conversation. We're talking, and she's like, where are you? I'm like, the Red Park. And then I panic. I'm like, that's not the name of it. I'm like, anybody know the name of the Red Park? What's the Red Park? I'm panicking. And if you've been to the Red Park, it's next door to the fire department. I'm calling next. I'm like, quit playing with me. Just get over here. Like, I'm, oh, gosh. So I used to be far more judgmental to my buddy Chris. So I've been humbled. You should, too. All right, that has nothing to do with the sermon, other than the fact that if you're dying, don't come to me. You're not going to make it, all right? So he calls 911, gets hung up on by the 911 operator, and then they're like, okay, what do we do? Baby's crying. They're panicking. Then they realize, they're like, when did you feed the baby last? They realize they didn't feed their child. And so (laughs) this new, beautiful creation, they realized, okay, we got to feed this baby. And don't worry, it wasn't like days. It was like hours. So they had to feed the baby. Moral of the story, it is miraculous, your new life in Christ. But if you don't feed your soul, You are going to continue to flounder. You must feed your soul. And what does that look like? Prayer. Meditation. Since we're at church, I'm going to throw in God's word. That is the nourishment that your soul needs. Let's look at the Bible together. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. This is the goal. You see that word jump out of you. You need to abide in Christ. The dude abides. I would encourage you to as well. What does that mean? Again, we don't use that word all the time. What does that look like? I'm going to take this from the ESV study Bible. Abide in me means to continue in a daily personal relationship with Jesus. What does that look like? Characterized by trust, prayer, obedience, Enjoy. If you want to thrive as a believer, it's not just like you prayed the prayer. How many people have I heard that? Oh, I prayed the prayer growing up. I'm good. I don't care if you've prayed some prayer in church. Obviously, that's wonderful. That's when you gave your life to Christ. But you need that word abide. There's this idea of continual, daily. You need to grow with him. This is, bar none, the most beneficial, the most useful thing I've learned in my life to daily spend time with God in prayer in the word. If that is not you, let me encourage you. Again, you're not gonna continue. You may have victory for a a week, a month, but if you don't figure this out, what it looks like to abide daily. You know, Jesus compares his word to like food. Think about it that way. How often are you eating? Some of you, your spiritual diet is you eat once a week on Sunday. That is not a healthy diet. You need to figure out. We all need to figure out what does it look like to, obviously throughout the day, but to have times, if I could wave a magical, if I had a magical pastor wand, if I can give any one thing to everybody, it would be this. 
This step 11 practice of figuring out how to daily get time with him in the word and prayer. I want to like tattoo step 11 on my forehead because it's the most common forgotten. It's one of the most important lessons in my life. And it's the most common forgotten. You ever get to that place where life just feels heavy? And you just feel like you're the weight of the world is on your shoulders. And I'm shocked every time. Like, what's going on? And I realize, man, I haven't been spending time with God. You need, we need to figure out that daily discipline. And I didn't even plan this. I take this as a gift from God. Is I was going to point you to, like, resources on our webpage. And I was trying to figure out how to do that. And then, like, ten minutes ago, I just asked Austin. He's like, oh, that's our announcement. Awesome. So, all that announcement, we have everything. So if you're like, I don't know where to begin, go exactly to where we talked about in the announcement. On our webpage, we have tons of resources, okay? It is necessary for us to continually, to daily abide in him. So figure out some rhythm. Take a step forward. But I want to kind of, as we're wrapping up this section, this step of step 11, I want to give everybody a little challenge with that. So I want you to figure out a rhythm. You know, figure out a time of day. Even on that website, we lay out, here's how to spend time with God. Here's resources. So I want you all to figure that out. But I together want to throw out a challenge for all of us. I think unbelievable things would happen if we all did this. I want to give you a little bit of a prayer challenge, at least for this week. And I want to kind of glean from the wisdom, again, of the 12 and 12. Look at this quote together. On awakening, let us think about the 24 hours ahead. We consider our plans for the day. We ask God to direct our thinking, especially asking that it, is, that it be divorced from self-pity, dishonest, or self-seeking motives. We ask especially for the freedom from self-will, and are careful to make no request for ourselves only. We are careful never to pray for our own selfish ends. Many of us have wasted a lot of time doing that, and it doesn't work. Praying only for the knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. So I want to challenge you this week. I would love it if every single one of us did this. To start our day, and even in the big book it talks about man have a rhythm you know pray throughout the day pray at the end of the day but particularly i want to encourage you before you set off for your day to pray a simple prayer like this and i love what it says not praying for ourselves it doesn't work how much you know i want you to get over your self-pity and how long have you been praying like god please help my business help my big toe help my bad hair help my and we go through i even alliterate my prayers that's a pastor move right there so you go through you just pray through your list god give me give me give me give me give me and you're not free from yourself and we're shocked by it what if you just took this week took this advice and just prayed this prayer Heavenly Father, I know you'll take care of me today. Knowing that is true, help me to get over myself and not worry about selfish things. I want to be used as an instrument of your love and grace today. Show me what you want. Show me who you want me to help and give me the strength and wisdom to help them today. Let my only motive be to do your will today. Amen. And it's from you because you're going to pray it. So I put you as the attribution every day 
This week, I want you to pray that and watch what happens. Watch who God brings your way because that's one of the things, oh, I don't know who to reach out to. I want you just every day, just pray that. God, I'm not gonna worry about myself. You got me covered. I only want one thing. Help me to see your will. Give me the strength to carry it out. Would you decide to do that this week and watch what happens? Because here's the deal, help out. I want us, we're kind of like watering cans, right? I want to encourage you to water other people's dry souls. And I want you to pour yourselves out to other people. And some of you are like, time out, Kimosabi. Like, I got nothing left. How many of I sat here and asked? We'd probably be around 60% if I raised your hand, who feels like they're running on E? And you feel like, man, pouring yourselves out, you'd be like squeezing that last little bit of toothpaste out of that empty, there's nothing in there, and you're still squeezing. The key is, if you're gonna give yourself to other people, you need to fill yourself up with God every day. You have to stay connected to the source. That is my hope and prayer for you. That is step 11. As you pray that, Watch who God brings your way, which leads us into step 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all our affairs. And again, for us, it's not just alcoholics. You know, you could just put sinners in there. So man, we're connecting with God. We're experiencing his peace. God is bringing people our way. What do we do? We share the message of Christ with them. And I put it in italics. It's message. Because so many what you want to hear, what I said is, now that you're a Christian, just go do nice things for everybody. You know, help people that are, you know, their car broke down. Do all those things. That's often what leads to those conversations. But the goal is, I mean, this is the Great Commission to carry the message to other sinners trapped in their sin, to share with others what Jesus has done in your life and let them know what he can do in theirs. I want you to evangelize. I want you to proselytize and all any other dirty eyes word you want to throw in there. I want you to tell people about Jesus' eyes. That is your goal. And not just show them with nice things. Do nice things. Tell them. When is the last time you've told somebody what Jesus has done in your life? And instantly, we get scared. Oh, I don't we dive into, and I want to address a couple excuses that wells up in all of us. Hey, tell people about Jesus. We instantly get afraid, and here is, I want to address a couple excuses. I don't know enough. You know, all the time I hear this, like, well, I can't tell them about Jesus. I don't know the whole Bible. What if they ask me questions about the Bible, but I don't know all the Bible, and then they'll ask me questions about evolution and the dinosaurs, and I don't, I don't really know when the dinosaurs came, and, and you just wig out because you don't know all the answers, and everybody else knows the Bible, but I don't really know all of it, and what if they know that I'm actually a scumbag? And <laughs> Let me give you the advice I give my kids all the time. Stop! Stop. We all feel that fear. Nobody has all the answers. Don't hide behind that fear. <laughs> I just yelled at you like my kids. Let me be nice for a minute. 
Let's look at some of the wisdom of what I'm actually, part of it is you misunderstand your job. You think you need to lecture them and explain all of Romans. That's not the goal. Listen what AA says. Let them know they don't have to agree with everything, but just start the journey. Use everyday language. And don't get hung up on theological words or arguments. Let him see you're not there to instruct him on reli- in religion. Admit that he probably knows more about it than you do. Relax. You don't need to explain what justification and where the, what the Trinity is. Your goal, you've got to understand is to be a witness and just tell them what Jesus has done in your life. Live a life of kindness and peace. And when they ask you what it was, tell them. You can use everyday language. Look, man, I know you're struggling. My life was a dumpster fire. Truth be told, it's got a touch of dumpster fire to it still. But you know what? Jesus met me in that, and I have peace in my life. I have hope and purpose like I never have before. Do you want to know like, how to experience that peace? You can do that. One of my favorite passages is when Jesus heals the blind man. And they're grilling him. Oh, how, who is Jesus? What did he do? And he doesn't take the bait. You don't have to take the bait of religious arguments. There's a time and a place for that. But what I'm asking you is just, just say what that blind man said. Look, I don't know everything. Here's what I know. I was blind. I met Jesus. Now I can see. You can do that. We think we need to be God's lawyers. We don't. We need to be the witness. What is a witness? Look, I'm just telling you what I saw. I'm just telling you what happened in my life. God doesn't need you to be his lawyer. Second excuse. They seem fine. Right? I'm telling you to reach out to your neighbors. But their life seems fine. They seem happy. They got two and a half kids. He's got a better job than I do. He's got nice cars. Everybody just seems fine. The problem is we're not honest with each other, right? I wish we were just honest for a little bit. What happens? You pull in your driveway. Hey, Roger. How you doing? Good. You know, 2020, right? What if we were just honest? Like, hey, Roger, how's it going? Hanging on by a thread, buddy. Me too. How's the kids? I don't think they like me. Mine don't either. Go Browns. Browns are my only hope. Gosh. But we're not. Everybody looks fine and happy. I need you to, to see them like I saw my pap when I was 14. Let me tell you about my pap. He was this towering figure. He was beast mode before there was beast mode. He was a box, he was an almost undefeated boxer. Played professional football even before there was the NFL. World War II veteran. I mean, he was this towering figure in our family. I mean, he would light up any room. We were Irish Catholics, so my, my mom was one of nine. There were you know, over 20 of us cousins running around, and it all revolved around him. He used to, you wouldn't always get you know, one-on-one time, but every time you saw him, he'd just wink at you. He would just change my day. Like, he had that kind of guy where he would just light you up just by giving you attention. So when I was 14, and we found out he was dying of cancer, it was just shockwaves through our family. 
I'd never known anybody close to me that was dying. And the interesting part is, is I'm watching him. I can still picture it. It's like 25 years ago, and I still remember our last family reunion from a distance. I'm just watching him. And I couldn't understand. He looked fine. He looked fine. He didn't look sick. But I knew cancer was killing him from the inside out. Although he looked fine, he was dying inside. You need to understand that about your neighbors, about your coworkers. If they are not connected to God, like we talk about that vine in the branch, and we don't start connecting with God and walk away. The Bible's clear. All of us start life detached from God. Your coworkers, your neighbors, you need to understand this. I don't care how fine on the outside they look. If they are not connected to God, the source of life, they are dying. Don't be fooled by how they look on the outside. This is where people in AA have an advantage. I mean, if you're an alcoholic, you wake up one day just covered in your own urine and vomit, sleeping on like the front yard because your parents locked you out. You're like, I don't think my life's going right. You know, like I think when I zigged, I should have zagged back there. Like something's not right. You think of the prodigal son, you know, the younger brother, and it's easy to look at him as a sinner and, oh, this person needs God. The problem is the older brother. His life looks fine. He looks like a good guy and everything looks okay. But listen, he is just as much in need of Christ as that person in jail. Understand that about your neighbor. I don't care how fine they look. They're dying inside whether they know it or not. So don't get hung up on that excuse. And the last thing, a couple of things I want you to leave you with is understand it's not just for them. It's for you. Reach out. Because, let's look at this passage, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Nobody was connected to God more than the Apostle Paul. But something was missing. There was a certain joy that he didn't attain. And what does he need to experience joy in his walk with Christ? He's reaching out to other people, allowing God to use him so other people can experience God's love. You wonder what's missing in your life, that spark, that purpose, that meaning, and you're chasing paychecks. You can be looking in the bottom of a bottle in somebody's bedroom, and whatever it is for you, you know something's missing. What you don't realize is that thing that is missing, that joy that's missing in your life. The purpose for which you were created is to allow God's love to flow through you into the life of another. That is what you are missing. Bill W., one of the founders, he reached out to so many other broken and hurting people. I think what he figured out, what we need to figure out, I'm not just helping them, I'm helping me. If you want to experience purpose in your life, you need to reach out and help somebody that's hurting and share the message of Christ with them and allow God's love to flow through you. I want to play a clip for you. It is from Henrietta Cyberling. 
One of the cool things about AA, when we talk about the history of when Dr. Bob and Bill W. first met, do you know where that was? That meeting was literally at Stan Hewitt. You can go to the house, like the one by the gatehouse. That is where that meeting happened. So Henrietta Cyberling, kind of of the rubber tycoon, was a part of kind of founding and launching AA. And I remember hearing this for the first time. I want to play it for you. She's talking about the journey of Bill W.'s life and kind of where it went. I want to listen to this together. And then I took Bill's story from Alcoholics Anonymous, and there I saw where he said all his failure and all the different things he failed in was because he always wanted people to think he was somebody. And in the first edition of the book, he said, I always wanted to make make my mark among people. And by letting God run his life, God took that ego and gave him his heart's desires, but in God's way. And when he was gone, he was on the front pages of the New York Times. And he was all over the world. I love that. She quoted this verse, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Did you hear his story? What ruined him is he desperately wanted to be significant and make his mark and it destroyed him. It, his ego ruined him. But then when he surrendered his life to God, this person who wanted to be a big deal, at the end of his life, ended up on the front page of the New York Times. I thought it was Times Magazine. I was Googling that. You can't find the image. you know why? Times wanted him on the cover, and he said, I'd rather be anonymous and refuse to have his face on the cover of Time Magazine. God ended up giving him the very thing he was looking for. So what you're desperately searching for, and whether it be in money, sports, take your pick. What you're actually looking for is God's love in your life. You just didn't know it. You were looking in the wrong places. Your job is to be like jumper cables. First, that's step 11. You need to connect to God, right? You take jumper cables, you connect them to a battery, right? You connect them to the source of power, and then what do you do? You take the other ones and you connect them to something that is dead and that thing comes to life. That is the spark. I'm, I spent too much time. I actually tried to think of having a battery hooked up here and I was going to like send sparks, but somebody's hair would catch on fire. It'd be a whole bad vibe. But that's the goal. Are you connected to God, and then praying, God, show me something that's dead. And then when God brings that somebody to you, you give them the message. You connect to them and allow that spark to fly, to allow God's love to flow through you. That is what you need. That is what ultimately the purpose for which you were created for. And when you see God moving through you, you will finally have that peace and purpose that you were looking for. Sin, whether it be getting high or getting more money, that can bring you pleasure. It will never 
bring you peace. This is how to find ultimate peace. Will you pray with me? Father, would you help us to see all those other things that we were grabbing onto to fulfill us. God, help us to see that anything outside of you will never fully satisfy us. It will ultimately destroy us. But God, you give us hope. You promise us peace and purpose. If we surrender to you, offer ourselves, our lives to you to reach out and help that next person with the message of the gospel. God, help us to experience that freedom and peace. In Jesus' name, amen.